Welcome into A to Z Sports powered by BetMGM. I'm Austin Stanley. He is Jack Gentry in for Zach Bingham this morning. Make sure you follow us all over social media, whether it's Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, or Twitch. We go live every weekday morning at 8 Central Time. Also hit us up on Instagram and TikTok. We're Nashville's on-demand sports talk network. I uh, got to thank our sponsors before we get going officially uh, because uh, they make it happen for us and for you guys. Renterswarehouse.com, the professional landlords in the Nashville area. Simply go to renterswarehouse.com to find out how much your home can rent for. Mandu, the pulse of fitness, one 15-minute workout equals five-plus hours in the weight room. Mandu.com, your first workout is free. Wilson County Hyundai, check them out for your new ride. Head out to Lebanon and WilsonCountyHyundai.com. And the Bone and Joint Institute, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care, boneandjointtn.org. That is where Jack and I are live from today in Franklin, boneandjointtn.org. I don't know. uh, The Titans could use some extra love and care uh, with all the different injuries uh, that that, that happened uh, over the course of last week and in that game yesterday. So, Jack, I'll toss it to you. How did you feel this morning? Did you feel any differently? When you woke up this morning compared to how we all left Mill Creek Brewery yesterday uh, after that postgame show, did anything change from you emotionally? You know, not really, because this year, with with the adjustments that Robinson made in the offseason, bringing in stars like Bud Dupree, Julio Jones, drafting Caleb Farley, drafting Dylan Radins, none of those guys were available yesterday. And I really woke up feeling like this is the same old Titans, losing to a team that they should beat early in the season, getting themselves behind the eight ball when – you have the Colts um, winless heading into the weekend. They got a win against Miami. Right. You have a chance to beat a really bad team on the road. Get an get an AFC win for possible um, you know playoff tie breaks yeah. scenarios. Um, th- that was a game you had to have, and they didn't have a lot of guys available. They blew it. Um, you know th- this is a, this feels a lot like the Bengals lost last season, except I believe this one's a little worse. Um, it, it stings a little more because Corey Davis is really a guy who, who, who pretty much beat the Titans with Zach Wilson. Mm-hmm. Um, the defense kept giving up splash plays. I, I, I woke up feeling today like this is the same old Titans. They lack the killer instinct that they need to have to, to, you know, to make this run in the playoffs that we all expected in the offseason. Um, not seeing it so far. Yes, uh, a couple comments that I wanted to read. Uh, Ed asked, has Luke calmed down yet? I don't know. Luke's tweets were on fire yesterday, and I don't know if Luke has calmed down yet because he was tweeting uh, deep into the evening some pretty fire takes. Uh, uh, Roland says, this sucks. Everyone's making fun of me at work. (laughs) Uh, Brooke says that she woke up more pissed off this morning. Uh, And and you you talk about the – the game uh, with the Bengals last year, I, it feels like that. A lot of the conversation going into uh, that game last week was always, watch out for the Bengals. Watch out for the Bengals. Remember the Bengals game? Same situation. Guess what? The last time the Titans wore navy blue over white was in Cincinnati, in Cincinnati against the Bengals. Uh, just, yeah, I'm a superstitious person. I don't think number eight needs to be worn again because the punter shanked it. I don't, and right after the kicker who was wearing number eight, Michael Badgley in week one was terrible. So burn number eight, burn number 10. Don't wear navy over white, the old classics. Uh, throw it all away. But that's, that's regardless or, or ridiculous and regardless of, of what happened yesterday. It was worse than that Bengals loss because it's earlier in the season. The Titans lost the Bengals and went to five and two. This team is now two and two. And with the Colts win yesterday to get to one and three, Texans at one and three, Jags 0 and four, obviously. Like, they're, they're like, there's an opportunity to really distance yourself from the rest of the division early, this early in the season. And they've whiffed on that opportunity by losing to the Jets. So let's get to 
unless you have something to react to that. No, it's just the classic case of the Titans not being able to put away somebody that they should put away right. in a situation where if you do so, you have a huge cushion in that division. You, you know, the Colts and the Texans are the only teams with a win in the division. Um, the Titans had a chance to move to three and one while they're sitting at one and three. Uh, they can't take advantage, and you know while they do have the tiebreak early over the Colts, yeah, a lot could change. It's a 17-game season. You got to take care of business early, especially when the Colts have this really difficult five-game stretch to open the season. The Titans failed to do it again, and uh, you know I'm left feeling much worse than the Bengals lost last year. Uh, yeah, absolutely, and uh, that's what um, uh, Ronnie says. This loss hurts hella worse than the Bengals' loss. Uh, Kim with some choice words saying, "I knew it was going to be a loss, so not really mad." And I told everybody that would listen to me yesterday that that game smelt funny going into it and exactly what it is. Jamal brings up how Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins is now uh, getting an, an extra nickname that he didn't want uh, that I'm not going to say out loud. But I'll, I'll dive into the two biggest reasons, in my opinion, of why the Titans blew it in overtime against the Jets. The first reason, I, I don't know if this is fairly obvious or not, but I just think it's true, is that the Titans kicked three field goals on their opening three possessions instead of scoring a touchdown or any I think if they score one touchdown in the first three drives, I think they should have scored two touchdowns in those first three drives, but one would have done it. And they whiffed on those opportunities to bury the Jets early. It would have been mid-second quarter. The Titans could have been up on, up on the Jets 13 or 17 to zero. I don't think the Jets come back from that. But because it was just 9 nothing, the Jets are thinking, all we got to do is put together a drive and score touchdown or put up some points, maybe just a field goal, and they're right there one score out of it. But So the Titans whiffed on that opportunity, and they forced a turnover. Christian Fulton got an interception. Now, Corey Davis slipped. I went back and rewatched everything up to that last field goal by Randy Bullock this morning before I ran out of time and had to come here. So Corey Davis slipped in that route where Christian Fulton intercepted it, but Christian Fulton was going to pick that off regardless. He basically ran the route for Corey Davis and knew exactly what was happening. Not only did Christian Fulton set them up in plus territory, the Titans got a roughing the passer penalty on the Jets that made it even easier to get down there and just ended up with a field goal. I'm going to dive deeper later in the show about the specific play calling of Todd Downing that I think ruined those situations. Uh, later in the show, but that's my number one reason. What do you think about that? The nine nothing lead. Yes, that's where it started. That's where all yes. the problems started. Uh, you, you get down. It's hard to score touchdowns in the NFL, but against this Jets defense, which Mike Mike Rabel said that this defensive line was going to be the the toughest D line that the Titans have faced all year. While I don't believe that, it's certainly not the most talented. Um, seven sacks allowed. Uh, you know, I, I do believe that the problems start and in in the trenches with the Titans, the offensive line abysmal again. Mm -hmm. uh, you, you look for some consistency out of that group and, and you just can't find it last year. What was, what was the big strength? You know, Tannehill never got touched. He was sacked. Well, he was only sacked 24 times last season. That's seventh in the NFL, right? He's been sacked 17 times already this season, dead last in the league. And, and what, what's changed? Uh, you lose, you cut Dennis Kelly in the offseason. David Quesenberry looked like a six round pick yesterday. Uh, I don't well, know. He looked like an undrafted free agent. Yes. Well, he, and he, a was, journey. he was a six round pick. Was he like, really? Yes. That's okay. why I said. Oh, well, he looked but, worse than that. But, and then you bring Taylor Lewan back. You think that'll fix everything. Okay. That's fine. 
Taylor Lewan can't stay healthy throughout a game. Roger Saffold gets, uh, you know, he's already dealing with the shoulder. He went to the blue tent yesterday as well. You don't know what's going on there. Maybe it's a concussion. Ben Jones is down. He, he's out for a couple of series yesterday. Mm-hmm. There's no con- continuity in this offensive line. There's no consistency with him. And, you know, you see that with Tannehill. Tannehill, you, you can tell he doesn't trust that group in front of him. His clock's off. It's a half second early. And a half second in the NFL is a big difference. And it can cause a lot, a lot of problems. I, I just don't see him trusting that offensive line. I don't see him trusting his pocket. And uh, they look out of sync. We spent all offseason worrying about, will the defense be adequate? Will the defense be even just slightly below average? Because if they are, the Titans are, are definitely a Super Bowl contender. Well, in reality, it's this offensive line who you assumed heading into the season was maybe one of the biggest strengths of this team. They are now the biggest liability on this on this Titans team. And right now, in the two losses, the offensive line has been the worst unit on this team. They are to blame more than anybody. Yeah, and that's and Steven says the draft picks will be offensive line, offensive line, defensive line, which is frustrating well, because they've how, been how many do- people get on the field. How, Dylan Raiden, second round tackle, he was a healthy scratch. Yes. Yeah. No, and and that's the frustrating thing is they've spent a first round draft pick and a second round draft pick the last two years on the offensive line. And those two guys have been irrelevant uh, overall. Uh, uh, Jack, move your microphone closer to you a little bit. Move, pull the whole thing closer. Uh, apparently, you're a little low there. But uh, I think overall, it's and somebody said that nine nothing wasn't the problem uh, on this, and nine nothing was the problem because they allowed the Jets to have hope. And once you give an inferior opponent hope, they usually thrive on that because. That's all they had going into it was hope that they could keep it close early on. So nine nothing and not kicking, uh, not not scoring touchdowns and instead kicking field goals is the first thing to blame for me. The second one is inopportune chunk plays allowed by the Titans defense to the Jets, right? Because the yeah. Titans remember the Titans went up seventeen to ten, and they got that two point conversion to go up seventeen to ten in the fourth quarter. What happens? One of the first plays of the next drive is a 43-yard pass interference penalty, and then another chunk play where uh, Zach Wilson fumbles the snap, runs around like Johnny Manziel, finds Jamison Crowder inside the five-yard line to set first and goal. Like, and then that's not the the end of it. The chunk play, obviously, the touchdown pass to Corey Davis, the deep ball on the first play of that drive. To really, and that, and so that, in after the Titans went up 17 to 10, right? The Jets go down, score that touchdown via chunk plays and big penalties from the Titans defense and score a touchdown. And now the Titans get the ball back. They fail to answer. They punt it right back to the Jets. And then boom, Corey Davis scores 24 17, just like that. So the chunk plays allowed are the second reason why the Titans. Uh, uh, the Titans allowed and blew it to the Jets yesterday. So let's go ahead and get you guys uh, more involved in the show today and ask you guys the first question. Who, do you, who is most to blame for the Titans' overtime loss to the Jets? Who is most to blame for the Titans' overtime loss to the Jets? Uh, but first, let me tell you guys about where we're at. We're live at the Bone & Joint Institute, boneandjointtn.org, the region's destination for comprehensive orthopedic and sports medicine care. Whenever you have an injury in life, you need to get healthy. You need to know how to uh, know who to trust, and that is the folks here at the Bone and Joint Institute. They got over a dozen doctors here that specialize in anything that can go wrong. They also streamline the process. They don't send you all over town for different steps of the way. 
They do it all right here, even the rehab right here. Specialist for you, boneandjointtn.org. I want to talk a little bit about BetMGM, Austin, because, uh, you know, if you bet on the Titans yesterday, you have a, you had a rough go. Yeah, um, and they ruined my parlay. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, yep. Download the BetMGM app today, though. You, you can win it all back on Monday night. Uh, you use promo code A to Z sports of your first deposit, and you'll get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. $1, it has to be your first bet, meaning if you deposit $500, uh, you can then bet that $500. If you lose it, no big deal. You get it in free bets. If you hit that bet, congratulations, you just won $500. <laughs> or more, whenever that bet gets you. However much you deposit on your first deposit and use to bet your first bet on the BetMGM app, I'm telling you guys, don't walk to do it, run to do it. Download the BetMGM app today and remember that promo code, A to Z Sports. All right, so let's uh, let's read these comments here because they are flying in. Who is most to blame? Uh, Jack put the question in the chat there. Who is most to blame for the Titans' overtime loss uh, to the Jets? Uh, Ant says defensive coordinator. Kane says Corey Davis. And that one's got to hurt for Titans fans because Corey Davis goes off four catches, 111 yards, uh, and a touchdown. Uh, and, and that, you know, he definitely got his redemption. And honestly, good for Corey Davis to be able to do that in a game against the Titans. That, that guy works hard and had a rough go in his first four years uh, with the team. Uh, Ty, Ty Kendrick says Shane Bowen, the D coordinator. Steven says the offensive line. Steven, a different Steven, says Keith Carter, the offensive line coach. This is his O-line. David says the play callers. Uh, Ryan says the O-line receivers. Ty Up Ohio says, honestly, coaching, no doubt. Ant uh, follows up and says Todd, uh, Todd Bowen. So he's combining, like maybe like <laughs> the coordinators are a celebrity couple of Shane Downing and Todd Bowen. I don't know if that's if that's what Ant's trying to do there. Bradley says Vrabel. This team did not look prepared. Roderick says the coaching staff. Uh, Guy says that kicker for the miss. I mean, that miss would have only tied it in overtime. Like, you would have ended in a tie if Randy Bullock hits that 49-yard field goal at the end of overtime. That still doesn't mean you win the game. You just don't lose it. You tie it, which... And that goes back to the old saying, a tie is like kissing your sister. No one wants a tie. You know, but maybe in this division, staying ahead of the loss. Oh, the, tie, the tie would have helped. Yes. The tie absolutely would have helped. You would have you would have had an extra. You would have had a half game extra lead over the Colts and Texans in the division. Ramon says Mike Vrabel. Titans Kyle says the coordinators, the poor play calling, a lack of adjustments. David says the coaching. So I'm seeing a lot of coaching. Jack, I'll let you answer it. I've talked a lot already. Uh, who who is most to blame in your opinion for the Titans' uh, loss to the Jets in overtime? It starts up top to me. Uh, I, I wanted to go John Robinson here, but I don't know that I can do that because you know a bunch of the guys he brought in this offseason weren't available to play. And maybe that is a big problem because you look around the league, there's plenty of rookies contributing to these teams. Monty Rice is the only guy I saw out there really yesterday, and that was on special teams. Yeah, and Elijah Molden is not visible either after he's been burned a few times. So, yeah, they're not getting anything out of really their top four draft picks on offense or defense. And this has been a trend with John Robinson, right? You, yeah. You, you sign risky guys, you know, Vic Beasley, Jadavian Clowney had health issues coming in, Bud Dupree now. Uh, we haven't really seen him. We haven't seen him at his best. Maybe they mismanaged his situation from the get-go, coming off an ACL tear. Uh, maybe they worked him a little too hard against Arizona. He hasn't been he hasn't been available to play really since that game. Um, he, you drafted, he played against Russell Wilson, and actually, I thought he played pretty well. He got a big pressure you, on Russell Wilson late in that game to help the Titans. You, get back you draft Caleb Farley to to help yeah. on the outside. You bring in Janoris Jenkins, who has been very underwhelming. Yes, I mean critically underwhelming. Janoris Jenkins has not played very well at all um, so far this season. 
you knew ahead of time in the offseason that your biggest weakness was O-line depth. Not only O-line depth, but what are you going to do at right tackle? So they draft Dylan Radins. He hasn't seen the field at all. It, all of these risky moves and risky draft picks, because J-Rob, let's face it, I mean, some of these drafting Jeffrey Simmons when he was hurt, that's paid off. Yes. Uh, but Corey Davis they drafted when he was hurt. And you guys got into this a little bit yesterday uh, at the game day show right. at, out at Mill Creek. A lot of these moves have been really risky. And, you know, one out of five is not going to cut it. You, you knew that your Super Bowl window is closing. You have, you have a couple of years left on that. I think it's and two you, years, including and, and this you, year. And you need to improve uh, throughout the draft. So, you know, when that window closes, it's not a complete drop-off. You don't fall off a cliff of talent. Yeah. Uh, it, they haven't really done anything in the draft uh, of note the last couple of years. It, for me, it starts up top, and it all rolls downhill. J-Rob's the most to blame. Vrabel's got a lot of uh, blame on his shoulders as well. Gets outcoached by a first-year head coach, in his Robert game. Sala. In his fourth game. And, and Robert Sala, he's a defensive-minded coach, but that offense, you mentioned big splash plays. Yeah. The Titans gave up five plays, if you include the penalty, against Crookshank, the 43-yard penalty. Five plays of 29 yards or more. Oh, gosh. That's reverting back to the same defense they had last year. You think you're uh. improved, but then, you know, four games in, you're looking back, you have some of the same problems on defense you had last year. There are new problems. The offensive line can't pass protect. It's it starts up it starts up top you know the penalties eight penalties for 98 yards including a crucial delay of game penalty leading up to Randy Bullock's missed field goal in overtime. Yep, it, it's a, a complete mismanagement by the head coach by the offensive coordinators, but it all starts with John Robinson. These guys he's brought in, these guys that the Titans are very reliant upon, are not available. It's just not working right now. Yeah, uh, it, I mean everything you said I can't disagree with. I do want to bring up a comment and completely. Uh, show this comment titans legend says a tie is not acceptable it's either way win or lose scared teams want a tie look titans legend on youtube no team wants a tie but in the situation where the titans were yesterday a tie is better than losing so that's a ridiculous comment uh there roderick says when is caleb farley playing so if if you let's just go back to the jeffrey simmons situation caleb farley and jeffrey simmons had surgeries in their draft process, yes. right? A back surgery for Farley, an ACL for Simmons. Very different surgeries. Very different surgeries, very obviously different positions, different rehabs, different everything. But the situation is the same, that you should not have expected Caleb Farley to really do much in the first quarter of the season. But the disappointing thing is the back is not the problem. It's a it's, new injury. It's a new injury. It's the shoulder. Now, I do think the back created the rust where he had a lot of rust to knock off, because he hasn't played football consistently in about two years. Jeffrey Simmons did not play in a game until week seven. Caleb Farley played in a game week one. So the well, new injury. His, his, role, his role wasn't very big in that game. No, but he was. But I, I do. I think. Um, I, I just think we have to remember that with Farley, that it's more than just the. Like, even though he's cleared with the back injury. The back injury is still affecting him because of all the rust and the situation of trying to get reacclimated to the game of football that he hasn't played much in the last two years. But Titans fans don't want to hear that. You want to draft the first round pick who can come in and contribute right, right. as soon I, as possible. Yes. And I get that Caleb but, but they, is very talented. Yes. And and the know, reason why he was available is because of his, because his, of his injuries. Injury. Yes. Exactly. And so, and so you're taking a big gamble. But at, at what point does John Robinson you know, walk away from the table? you got to know when to fold him, right? Uh, it, I, I just but maybe I, the strategy I of just drafting these, these 
you know, you're getting good value on very talented players. But man, these injuries. Here's here's what I'll say. If you're going to gamble with your first round draft pick with Caleb Farley, you better hit on your second round draft pick. Where's Dylan Radin's been? Exactly. Because what did John Robinson do two drafts ago or three drafts ago? He gambled on his first round draft pick. He nailed his second round draft pick with A.J. Brown. So if you're going to do that, where is Dylan Radin's? What has he seen in Dylan Radin's? This offensive line is banged up and bad. Both are not good situations. And Dylan Radin's is a healthy scratch, not even playing the position that he was drafted to be. So the whole point why we're talking about this is because Jack puts most of the blame on John Robinson for losing this game to the Jets. And not to mention, you have a fourth-round draft pick in Dez Fitzpatrick that really wasn't even considered to be brought up this week. Uh, oh, he's so far away. The only wide receiver you take in this draft, well, Racy McMath, uh, you're not even considering to bring up in a week where you're without your top two receivers. It, it's, it's, it's just uh, these drafts are becoming more and more frustrating because you know that the Titans' core is there. You yeah. know that they're so close to taking that next step. You need some reinforcements throughout the draft. You're seeing Trevon Diggs with the Cowboys leading the NFL in interceptions. Caleb Farley, you're not getting anything out of right now at this point, and you you, you were right. You know you're not going to Caleb Farley's not going to jump in week one and make an immediate impact. Mm-hmm. But at this point in the season, whatever we get from Caleb Farley, you know, is kind of a bonus. I, I, yes, I'm not expecting it, but, I, but I wasn't. But I wasn't like going into it. I think I I had a better understanding, or I, I was trying to have a a more long term view of Caleb Farley, and I think I've been cons- excuse me consistent on that. Uh, the Dylan Ratings pick was terrible. Yes, no excuse doubt. Um, so uh, more comments that I wanted to read to. Uh, somebody asked, uh, can we explain? Uh, why Christian Fulton was playing in the slot yesterday? Chris down Jackson the, went down because Chris Jackson got hurt. Uh, absolutely. And, and you bring how many? What was the the stat, Jack? The Titans gave up how many plays yesterday? Twenty nine yards or more. So four plays of twenty nine yards or more. But you add in that forty three yard pass interference against Dane Crookshank, and that's five. And that that's huge splash plays that all led to scores. Uh, Keelan Cole, who you know, without Elijah Moore available. They had to bring Keelan Moore in, and he was actually Keelan, yeah. an integral part Keelan of the Keelan Cole is a good player and was just lost in Jacksonville for a few years. Keelan Cole made plays. I wanted the Titans to go after Keelan Cole in free agency. A 54-yard catch on third and six. In the gotta-have-it situations yesterday for this defense, they didn't have it. Right. Third and six, Keelan Cole gets loose for 54 yards, and that leads to a touchdown. Overtime, Keelan Cole again, 29-yard catch, sets up that game-winning field goal. Corey Davis obviously got loose a couple times for the – 53-yard touchdown pass and a big play with a 30-yard catch yep. early to, to lead to the Jets' first touchdown. Yep. Some of the same problems are resurfacing, and on top of that, you're getting new problems, and that that can't happen with this roster. Yeah. Which I think everyone would agree, aside from yesterday, you're missing a couple really really big playmakers. Is it an improved roster? Really, from top to bottom, that roster improved from last year to this year, but in key spots, at right tackle, you don't have it. At wide receiver, you didn't have it yesterday. Janoris Jenkins in the secondary didn't have it yesterday. Right. Yeah, for sure. So I, I'm looking at a comment. Rhett uh, has a long comment on Facebook. So I'm going to try to read uh, uh, as much as I, as I can. I, I can't, I'm not going to be able to show everything up on the screen because it's that long of a comment. J Rob has actually assembled a very talented squad. Vrabel and his coordinators have shown massive issues and that they don't learn from anything. They also make it so easy on the other team knowing what's coming at this level. Bang it out is so dumb. And Vrabel got in trouble with it so much, uh, got in trouble with so much talent out of the game. 
a lot harder for that plan to work with that talent deficient extinguished. Um, now some select players have really been screwing the team uh, in the red zone. It's been laughable. So my person who I blame the most is Mike Vrabel because one, he's the person who hired the coordinators. Shane Bowen and Todd Downing are his hires. Second, the head coach is in charge of game management decisions. And there were several game management decisions that I thought Mike Vrabel messed up yesterday. He said in his press conference, the third and one play on the Titans' second possession, third and one uh, from the 11-yard line, I believe it was, the snap over the head of Ryan Tannehill. Killer. So Mike Vrabel, he he was asked specifically about the situation. So I'm not blaming Mike Vrabel for making an excuse. He was simply answering a question, which I appreciate. It adds context. But Mike Vrabel said that on that Derrick Henry run on second down, the Titans thought the spot was for a first down. Then Therefore, they took Derrick Henry out of the game to give him a blow on first and 10 at the 11. So... Uh, that's why McNichols was in. Then the referee moved the ball back to a third and short. McNichols was already in there. The play clock had run down too far. They could make an adjustment. And so, therefore, the mistake happened. I don't care. Adapt. Whenever you see the situation happen where, oh, crap, now it's third and one, don't just be like, ah, dang, and don't do anything about it. Put Ryan Tannehill under center and sneak it like you did earlier in the game or because you knew your backup center was in this situation. There have been now multiple times in the red zone alone, multiple times in the red zone where Aaron Brewer has been in for Ben Jones and has snapped it over the head of Ryan Tannehill or Derek Henry. The King Cat situation yes. last year. Yes. Right. And so, again, we need to recognize now, don't let it happen again. When you're in the red zone and Aaron Brewer is snapping, go under center. Don't let that happen a third time. That is terrible management of your roster if you let that happen a third time. Another mismanagement of Mike Vrabel was the delay of game in overtime. Oh, I don't care what the reason is. It was an incomplete pass. Mike Vrabel, again, was asked about that and said the referees were spotting it slowly. Well, if the refs are spotting it slowly adjust to it because that was in overtime. You've already been burned once by the refs spotting it slowly. Hurry up. Go faster. You cannot allow for a delay a game on a stop clock after an incomplete pass in overtime on third and five. Because maybe, just maybe, Randy Bullock hits that field goal or you convert the third and five instead of a third and ten. It's like, so Mike Vrabel is who I blame the most. And that's fair. That's completely and totally fair. Vrabel got testy on Friday, and that kind of, that threw me through a bit of a loop because, uh, you know, you got the Jets, and and you saw it in a question that Jim Wyatt asked, and it was supposed to be a fun question. You know, what do you think about uh, Brady and Belichick? And I get it. It, it, You know, Vrabel's not a guy who wants to look outside. And Vrabel doesn't, you know, maybe he doesn't have time to talk about that. But he got a little testy, and I think that that was a point where Vrabel knew that Man, whether it was this week in practice, I wasn't able to be out there. But whether, whether it was this week in practice, they looked bad, or Vrabel knew he was really up against it this week in game plan. Uh, not a whole lot of weapons to work with on offense. 
you know, you know, some problems to fix on defense, but you, it, it's really hard to mask, mask those problems with a pass rush. Yeah. It's not out there. There's not available. Harold yeah. Landry, by the way, stood out again. He has been one of the most oh, improved yeah. players alongside Christian Fulton. But as a whole, we're, it, it, it's a defense that's, that continues to give up the big plays. Zach Wilson, a mobile quarterback, once again exposed the Titans. Um, after going up against Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson, you'd figure they'd have a better game plan on how to defend him. Uh, he, he got loose and made some plays outside of the pocket, which he did in college, which is the reason the Jets took him uh, in the draft. It, I, it, it, to me, it, it, it's on Rabel as much as it is on uh, John Robinson to me, uh, but the players are not out of this either. There's yeah. a lot of guys on that roster who are not playing up to their ability. Taylor Lewan's making too much money to stink this badly. Uh, and another uh, Taylor Lewan with two penalties in the first half. The illegal hands in the face ruined the opportunity yeah. for him to get points at the end of the, the first half there. All right, I want to ask this question because I just talked about uh, issues and mistakes in Mike Vrabel's management of the game. I want to ask this question because I don't, you know, I, I don't necessarily have a problem, but I want to hear what you guys think about it and want to at least have the discussion of the Titans not going for the two-point conversion to win the game before overtime, right? Because Cam Batson catches that touchdown, if my memory serves correct, 20 seconds or less on the clock because I know the Jets had the one snap when they need it with 13 seconds. But what do we think about Mike Vrabel not going for the two-point conversion uh, to try to win the game? That would have been 25-24 and overtime when they were when they've been good in two-point conversions so far this year. So I want to ask that question. What do you guys think of that? But real quick, let me tell you guys about Mandu, the Pulse of Fitness. One 15-minute workout equals five or more hours uh, in the weight room. How is that possible? Mandu.com. It's full-body electronic muscle stimulation. So they're putting all of that stress, all of that work on your muscles, not on your joints, not on those old injuries, but really working to build functional strength, muscle tone, and muscle mass while targeting that hard-to-burn body fat. Mandu can help you achieve your fitness goals, whatever it might be. Maybe it's completely transform your body. Maybe it's just build more muscle, get stronger. Maybe it's shred that last little bit of fat that you can't get off. Mandu can help you at mandu.com. Your first workout's free. And if you tell them A to Z Sports sent you, they'll take off 100 bucks on your first month when you sign up at mandu.com. BetMGM is the king of sports books. The variety, the selection is unmatched. Uh, the interface is clean, and it's easy to find what you want to bet on. Uh, you got a big Monday night game between uh, the Raiders and the Chargers tonight. Uh, download the BetMGM app so you can go bet it. But use promo code A to Z Sports. Remember to do that with your first first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. You deposit $1,000, you'll have the opportunity to bet that entire balance. And if you win, congratulations, that money is yours. If you lose, don't worry about it. You get it all back in free bets. So remember to use the promo code A to Z Sports. Uh, while you're downloading the BetMGM app. And if you win, you get the money. If you lose, it's all right. You'll get it all back in free bets. Make sure to use promo code A to Z Sports on the BetMGM app. All right, so I'm just, I want to have the conversation. I don't necessarily have a problem with the decision to kick the extra point to go to overtime for the Titans, but I just want to know what you guys thought. Should the Titans have gone for two at the end of the game to win? Because the opportunity was right there, Jack. What's your, what's your opinion? Then I'll read some No, comments. you know, I, I, I didn't have a problem with the decision. The Titans heading into that game had won six straight in overtime. They're built for overtime. Derrick Henry was really just, uh, you know, bludgeoning that Jets defense. He finished with over 150 yards rushing. 
that's a team that that's a Titans team and an offensive line that has been known to really wear down defenses. But it, however, you know, in overtime rule, it's really about who wins that coin toss. It, it really is. I, I don't know the percentages. But, off it, my but head. it also wasn't because the Titans got to stop. Like the, you yeah. know, like in, in both overtimes the Titans have played, their offense has gotten a, a chance to win the game. But it, it, my, my point is the, ta- the more talented roster you, you would think as the game goes along in overtime has a better shot to win. Yeah. And while I thought that the, the, the wrong call was made in Seattle to not go for two, um, because, you know, in my opinion, you go for two when you're on the road in a hostile environment against a really good team who you think has the momentum heading into, you know, overtime or who has the better roster heading into overtime. Yeah. I thought that that was the case in Seattle. Now, with the Jets, an inferior roster with an inferior head coach, uh, a rookie quarterback, I think you let that game play out. Uh, I think, you know, I believe Rabel made the right choice there. Hindsight's obviously 2020. Sure. You know, and the Titans have the best running back in the NFL to, you know, just shove it in his gut and let him get two yards and, and win the game towards the end of regulation. But in that circumstance, I didn't think it was the right idea. I thought that kicking it was the right move. It just, you know, it, these are these are weird, fluky situations in overtime. Right. You know the Titans got burned. So 16 seconds, and I think I think that's important because if there's, I I don't think 16 seconds is enough time for Zach Wilson to do anything because they actually the Jets got the ball with 13 seconds left because of the kickoff play. So I I do think I wouldn't have hated going for two. I guess what I'm saying is I could I would be fine with either decision that was made. But if the Titans had lost, going for two, I, I knowing would, what you know about the Titans and the Jets, the coaching staffs and the rosters, Vrabel would be getting crushed today. Uh, But I, I think I what I'm trying to say here, and I understand it's hindsight, and I'm saying this after I know the result of the game where they lost anyway, I, I, I truly think, because I'm fine with the extra point, I think I would have been fine for going for two. I think I probably would have liked going for two better. Just because... The Titans have been good at two-point conversion this season. They've been better at two-point conversions than they have extra points because yeah. of the Michael Badgley situation. Well, so the Titans, if you look at the numbers, and I get it, you know, no Titans fans want to look at the numbers today. They saw what they saw yesterday. That was it. The Titans got beat by the Jets. But if you look at the numbers, the Titans were the better team yesterday. They outgained the Jets 430 to 355. They ran 33 more plays on offense. So the Jets' defense was out there all day long. Titans controlled time of possession 40 minutes to 30 minutes. Right. Uh, the Jets, in all reality, had to have been really tired towards the end. That Jets defense had to have been really tired. The Titans couldn't capitalize on their chance in overtime. I, and I the Titans, and the Titans just went on a drive, eleven plays, seventy-four yards in a minute fifty-three to tie the to, to score that touchdown before the potential two-point conversion. It was, so I, it, was a, I, it was a defense that let the Titans down in overtime, which you know you you would think it would but be the defense. The, the defense. Eventually got the stop, and then the Titans' offense couldn't finish. Yeah, well, they got the stop, but after the third and two that Keenan Cole picked up 29 yards on to set the Jets up in field goal. Right. No, I, I'm with you. I'm with you there. They, they bent and didn't break, but at yeah. the same time, that was a situation where they didn't even need to bend. Right, right. I'm with you. Um, so, uh, Bobby says, nah, in my opinion, prolonging the game and talent should went out. The Titans just got beat. I'm with Bobby. Like, again, like uh, Jonah says the Titans should have gone for it. Louis is saying that I'm on the fence. I'm not. I'm not on the fence. I'm just trying to be honest. Like I think in that situation, I would be. I was fine with kicking the field goal, but I definitely was okay and curious to see if they would have gone for two because of Tannehill and the shotgun with Derrick Henry to his side. 
for a two-point conversion is very dangerous. The Titans are really good in that situation. If Roger Saffold is at left guard, I think they go for it. Really? Okay. Well, they, well see, that's a different conversation because Sam Bradlow had to fill in for him. But yes. when you have the better team and you've done more on offense than, than the Jets throughout the day, do you really want the game to come down to one play at the end of regulation? Are you are you where I control it? If I'm on if I'm on offense, sure. With the better team, knowing that you're you're a team you're that, two yards away, you two yards sit- away, and you have a guy. I don't know how many rushing yards Derrick Henry had at the end of regulation because he stacked up a handful uh, in in overtime. He finished as well. with 33 carries, 157 yards. He averaged 4.8 yards per carry. Yeah, I'm trying to see how many how many yards he had in overtime. But he, he, regardless, he had you know what uh, he was busy. Yesterday. He had like 130 plus yards in regulation. I I think give do something put because we have seen this Titans offense several times put defenses in a really tough decision making situation with Tannehill in a shotgun and Derrick Henry to his side. They did it early in the game. You either you do a, an RPO where it could be a hand to Derrick Henry, a Tannehill run, or but Tannehill also you, keeps you, it. You got to remember, this is an offense that struggled <sighs> to, to get the ball in the end zone all day long. They don't have they didn't have their weapons. They didn't have AJ Brown or Julio Jones on the outside. Furtzer didn't look like himself yesterday. Uh, you know, everyone right, knows that ball's probably. Going but that's to my Henry. thought is like you got Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill on the two yard line to win the game, and I think I like their odds. I like. I trust Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry in that situation to gain two yards. And I trust Tannehill's decision-making, whether to give it to Henry or to keep, or whether it, once he keeps, whether he needs to run it in or throw it, but like he did to Pruitt on the first two-point conversion earlier in the day. So I'm just, I wanted to have the conversation because I think people are on both sides, and I was just curious to see where people were at with it uh, overall. But look, again, I was fine with kicking. They still had an opportunity to try to go win the game. Uh, regardless, maybe so, in Arthur Smith's offense, that decision would have been made. Maybe uh, Todd Downing, for whatever reason, when he gets close to the, you know, when he gets inside the ten yard line, when he gets inside the red zone, when his offense does, uh, it just seems to sputter at times. And yes. maybe Vrabel just didn't trust what, what Downing had in his bag. Sure, maybe so. For, all right, uh, A to Z Sports here live on this Monday from the Bone and Joint Institute. Uh, I did some research. I went back this morning and I watched the Titans' first three drives that ended with the Titans up. Nine nothing. Okay, so I've got uh, my issues.
Okay. Download the BetMGM app today. I know we cut out for a second, guys. Hang with us. Uh, we should have everything <laughs> fixed right now. But yeah. uh, uh, anyways, back to BetMGM. Download the BetMGM app today. Use promo code A to Z Sports. And on your first deposit, you'll have a chance to, uh, you know, with your first bet, bet all the money that you deposit. That's the way to do it. That's the right strategy to do it. Deposit 100 whatever you feel like, 200 300 400 up to $1,000. Deposit that money, and you bet it with your first bet. If you win, You'll get all of the winnings. All of that money will be put right into your account, so you'll double your money. Or if you lose, don't worry about it. You get it all back in free bets. But you can only do that if you use promo code A to Z Sports after you download the BetMGM app. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. It's just something, just whatever it was, uh, the phone got kicked out. So I, I don't know what happened there, but we are back. Uh, appreciate that. Alex is looking awesome, taking over the IT. Uh, it's just like a chance. I, Zach makes way too much with the IT stuff. I know how to fix the problems. It's just Zach does it while I stall, typically. All right, I like so, Justin's comment. Who is the most to blame for the A to Z technical issues? Uh, I, I just <laughs> you know, technology. Technology. I mean, that's whenever team. technology b- fails us all at times. <laughs> all right, so um, here's another lost blackout is what Kendall says. I think that happened the last time uh, the Titans lost the game. I don't really know why. But anyway, so uh, Jack, I went through and rewatched the first three drives of the Titans' offensive play calling in that game. And – situational play calling. I, I know I'm getting really specific and nuanced, but you ask Mike Vrabel, football's a situational game, right? You've heard all coaches talk about how football is so situational. And situational play calling in the red zone was terrible yesterday, and that's the reason why the Titans were only up 9 to nothing. So I'll, I'll put aside the first drive. The first drive when the Titans are going up 3 nothing. Really not a lot that was bad there. That was a okay uh, way. To, it's only the first time the Titans didn't go three and out to start a game. So I, I have no problem with what happened on that first drive. The second drive is where it started. So I mentioned this already earlier in the show. Third and one on the 11. A shotgun snap over the head of Tannehill. Henry wasn't even in the game. Vrabel said yesterday after the game that it was because the ref's spot was late. Titans thought it was a first down. I don't care. That's an excuse. Adapt and execute the play that was called. It was the first quarter. You had your timeouts. Yes. It, third and one at the 11, go score. Do something. Change it. Let Tannehill do, trust your quarterback and your players to take advantage of the situation and know the down and distance and go do it. Go execute uh, the play. They did not. The play. We don't even know what the play call was because the snap went over uh, the head of Ryan Tannehill. So the third drive, this is the one that I think really frustrated me more. Third down drive, the Titans were up 6-0. This was right after the Christian Fulton interception and after Tannehill uh, had a rough in the passer penalty to put the Titans in a a good situation. So Derrick Henry had just gained four yards on first and 10. So it was second and six from the 10-yard line. He just got those first four yards. Why not give it to Derrick Henry Again, on second and six from the 10, give it to Derrick Henry again. You're at the 10-yard line. Instead, they throw a back shoulder fade to NWI that had zero chance of being caught. I believe it actually hit the Jets defender in the back or in the back of the helmet. And so now, guess what? Third and six, you're passing. What happened on third down after that? Third and six, sack. Go, Go figure, right? So 
set yourself up. And this is what I also tweeted. I think there should be a new rule, a new play calling rule this season. Jack, I don't know if you remember this. Last year for Arthur Smith, I had a play calling rule for the Titans last year. Last year it was if Derrick Henry gains five or more yards on first and 10, hand it off again. If he gained five or more yards on first and 10, hand it off You're already again. on schedule. You're ahead of the chains. So here's my new rule. If you are in the high red zone, which the Titans were at the 11 and the 10-yard line in those two situations, the high red zone, and you're ahead of the sticks, give the ball to Derrick Henry. If you're ahead of the chains in the high red zone, give it to Derrick Henry. Don't overthink it, especially when you don't have A.J. Brown and Julio Jones on the field. Give it to Derrick Henry because overthinking it creates uh, uh, third and passing situations and you know your offensive line is banged up and not very good right now. So you want to avoid third and passing situations. So on second and six, give it to Derrick Henry. You're at the 10-yard line. That's my new rule for this season. And you know what we didn't see a whole lot of yesterday that worked very well in Seattle? Play action. Now, that's probably because the offensive line couldn't hold up for more than a second and a half yesterday. Yes. I don't think that, you know, rolling Tannehill out and play action, whatever it may be, uh, would have worked because he had no time to throw in general yesterday. You take a handoff and boom, the, the defensive line is in your face. Quinn and Williams right up the middle. Uh, and you mentioned not having your playmakers. I, that was a theme yesterday on third down. The Titans struggled to, to, to move the chains when they needed to because they didn't really have a go-to guy. It seemed like Tannehill tried to force Josh Reynolds into that role. And, you know, while he did make a couple plays here and there, he's no Julio Jones or A.J. Brown. He's not even fully healthy. You see him go down grabbing his knee. It looked like he was going to leave the game. Yep. Titans go 5 for 19 on third down. That's barely over 20% for you math majors. Yep, uh, yep. Not having a go-to guy, uh, not being ahead of the chains, you know, going away from the run when the run was working. Not able, not being able to run play action. All of these things contributed to really just a, a weird, bumpy, clunky offensive game plan. And you saw that in Todd Downing's play calls, especially in the red zone when it mattered. Right. All right. So Bobby has fallen into my trap, just like I was hoping somebody would do this morning. So again, I'll restate my red zone rule. A new Titans play calling rule for me this season. If the Titans are ahead of the sticks in the high red zone, give it to Derrick Henry. Don't overthink it. The Titans need to avoid third and passing situations as much as possible, especially in the red zone. So Bobby, who fell into my trap that I was hoping somebody would do this, Bobby says, weren't you just telling them to ease Derrick Henry's workload last week? Yes, I was, Bobby. But when you're trying to score touchdowns in the first quarter or the second quarter, you give it to Derrick Henry. Because Bobby, if the Titans gave it to Derrick Henry on second and six. Maybe they can score a touchdown at some point they finish that drive. Then maybe they're up 13 to nothing or 17 to nothing in those situations. If you give it to Derrick Henry early, you don't have to give it a ride to Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter or overtime, therefore easing his workload late in the game. So, Bobby, I appreciate you falling into my trap and to letting me explain that. And that was something that they, you know that they were talking about in meetings this week is how do we win this game without running Derrick Henry into the ground again. Well, another overtime game, 33 carries with two catches as well. That's 35 touches. He was tackled 35 times. 
Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna get my calculator. Thirty-four out. times he scored one touchdown. Uh, so so thirty-five touches, right? Thirty-five touches. So he had ninety-two touches going into this game. So that's hundred and twenty-seven touches. You're looking over thirty touches per game. Thirty, oh, nearly thirty-two touches per game. That is not the recipe early in the season for the Titans. They need Derrick Henry fresh towards the end of the season. And what you also need is that cushion so you can afford to rest the guys for a game or two if they need and, it late. And so Derrick Henry going into yesterday's game was on pace for 521 touches. He is now on pace for nearly 540 touches. That's never been done. It's It, well, it might have. Larry Johnson for the Chiefs back in like 540 touches? I'm going to Google Larry Johnson's stats, and you're going to be shocked at how much that guy – um, for, for, but, but for Derrick Henry, who led the league in rushes and who had 2,000 yards on the ground last year, who's already taken a beating the last couple of years because the Titans have force-fed him. Obviously, you you know you get the ball in the hands of your best player, but to beat the Jets, 35 touches in uh, a week where you knew they had to take it a little easy on him, you go to overtime. Derrick Henry, early in, we're talking about load management with Julio Jones and all these guys. Yeah, And it's hard to win in the NFL managing anybody's load. Right. Uh, it, you're, so, you're going to have to really relax and ease up on Derrick Henry's touches. And it's against Jacksonville this week. And yes. Jacksonville with all the distractions in the world, with Urban Meyer out at bars in Columbus. Oh, God. Uh, you know, doing I, was all wondering kinds of it, I was wondering if that would show pop up uh, today on the show. Derrick Henry's going to have to be efficient and hopefully, what is a sub 20 carry game next week? You got to get him back on track. You've got to keep his legs as fresh as you can. 17 game schedule for the first time in NFL history. And Derrick Henry's already behind the eight ball. All right, so, Jack, you bring up a great point because I thought Larry Johnson had 500 touches. Larry Johnson in 2006 had five, uh, 457 touches that year. Now, that's seen. in 16 games, right? So there's an extra game, which makes this a little more difficult. But Larry Johnson in 2006, he had 416 carries and 41 receptions. Uh, the most touches in a season in the NFL history, James Wilder, uh, had 492 in 1984. I, I want to, I can't remember if 1984 had 14 games or 16 games, but third on this list, Eddie George in 2000 had 453 touches. Three yards in a cloud of dust. Right. So Derrick Henry is on pace to be the only player in NFL history to have over 500 touches in a season. That's not the recipe for Derrick Henry. You need him as fresh as you can in November, December, January to you know to really be able to put the Titans on his back in these big games, rely on him. There's going to be some tough rundies uh, down the line that the Titans are going to have to play. There's the gonna, Rams? The, the next five weeks after the Jags. Are, that's all going to be very difficult. Chiefs, Bills, well, Bills, Chiefs, Colts, Rams. Saints, Saints are a good defensive team up front too. So – I mean, Derrick Henry's on a scary pace. But the, how do you how do you win without Julio Jones and AJ Brown? With Derrick Henry, and again, like that's my point. Like all of this that Bobby brought up, the Titans need to be aware of the crazy workload that Derrick Henry has. But in the in the first half of games, use him to create separation. Use him to get that lead, so you don't have to rely on him in the fourth quarter or overtime, which they've now had to do twice. Yeah, it, it goes back to that cushion. You, you, you want to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat with already a, a multi-game multi lead in the division. So you have, like, like they did uh, against the Saints last season, you got, you have, or was it, was it two seasons ago, where you have the opportunity to rest him. Uh, in a game that meant nothing. Yeah. Yes. It, you know, it, 
God forbid it comes down to the Titans and, you know, need Derrick Henry to win uh, in a win in your end game in week 18. Um, no rest throughout the season. It, it's, it's tough. And you, you really wanted to manage his load early as much as possible because you need your best players to win games. We saw that this Sunday without Julio Jones and A.J. Brown. They have no other option than to right. Derrick Henry. Yeah. That makes it tougher on Henry. That makes it tougher on the Titans to be fresh late in the season, especially when you use them this much and still can't come away with a win. Yeah, so, uh, you know, uh, Dom says, I hate to be so negative, but this loss is way worse than the Bengals' loss I last agree. year. And honestly, don't see it, uh, the Titans easily coming back from this. Something has to change. Not going to make the playoffs continue with these schemes. I will say, the Titans, I still think, will make the playoffs because of the division. The Colts got their first win yesterday, and that – Unfortunately, the Titans could have been a full two games ahead. Now they're just got that one game ahead. They do have the tiebreaker. But the Colts game in week eight is a massive game uh, because the Titans can really uh, help themselves out a lot in tiebreaking. But I think the Titans are still going to make the playoffs. I still think they win the division. But it's they're again, it's week four, and they missed a great opportunity to get to three and one and to try to separate themselves. But it feels like the Titans know that, though. It feels like that they've gotten complacent, and they know that the division is theirs for the taking. Maybe. And maybe they're a little more relaxed. Maybe they're pretty. They're so confident that you know the Colts are down and out. Quentin Nelson's on IR. Carson Wentz can barely walk. Uh, maybe they know that you know this is a division that they will have to lose. The Colts will not be able to win this division. The Titans will have to lose it. Right. And they've gotten too comfortable, and you, you see the the effects and the results of that yesterday. Yeah, real quick, uh, I do want to get to this topic because we teased it earlier. I don't want to spend a ton of time on it, but I am uh, curious of what you guys think. Uh, what is the biggest issue with the Titans' defense versus the Jets? What's the biggest issue with the Titans' defense versus the Jets? We're not going to spend a ton of time on this because we're already approaching an hour here on the show. as we've, I think we've had a great show and a lot of great conversation uh, and uh, engagement from you guys in this. Jack Gentry again in for Zach Bingham this morning. So real quick, want to know the answer to that question. What is the, What was the biggest issue for the Titans defense against the Jets yesterday? But again, let me re-remind you of Wilson County Hyundai. WilsonCountyHyundai.com uh, is where to go to find, uh, to find that next ride for you. Let Payne Bone and his team in Lebanon at Wilson County Hyundai, set you up with their new car, with your new car, and the right ride for you right there, wilsoncountyhyundai.com. So, Jack, I'll let you start. What was the biggest issue with the Titans' defense versus the Jets? Jack Rabbit Jenkins. If you want to name one specific player, player, Janoris Jenkins looked more like the tortoise than the hare yesterday or the, or the jackrabbit yesterday. Well played. And, and that's a big problem because you hear – Oh, Janoris Jenkins had this great camp. He had a great training camp. He's a mentor to guys like Caleb Farley. He's helped Christian Fulton grow. But he hasn't done anything of, of substance this season. You see him getting torched by Corey Davis yesterday. Uh, he was a big letdown against the Cardinals. He slipped, he slipped in circumstances where you didn't need him to slip. You had to have him on his feet. He was on the ground. In order for the Titans defense to be able to play up to their potential, we know this pass rush is hamstrung. We know that they have guys missing. And even if they're healthy, they're still uh, maybe a slightly below average pass rush unit. So you need the secondary to be on their P's and Q's. Janoris Jenkins has not played up to his ability. He has not played up to the hype. They were desperate to find a corner in the offseason without Caleb Farley. That means they need Janoris Jenkins to perform even more. He has not done that. Janoris Jenkins has been the biggest letdown on this Titans defense so far. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it, uh, I'm going to read some comments now. A lot of um, Sean says busted coverage. Uh, Deborah says could not get to the quarterback. Like Zach Wilson is a good athlete, and the Titans have played 
three really impressive athletes at quarterback and Carson Wentz. I mean, like Kyler Murray, the Cardinals are legit guys. I mean, they just beat the Rams yesterday and look good doing it. Uh, we all know that Russell Wilson is really difficult to sack. And Zach Wilson can do a lot of things with his legs. He looked like he was at BYU uh, yesterday. That's, that's how he played. That's why he was the second overall draft pick. Uh, so Debra's, but Debra's right, though. He was the most sacked quarterback in the NFL going into yesterday. Titans got him once. Mm-hmm. So nobody else had a problem getting in, but the Titans sure did. And Harold Landry was the only guy who, who was really able to get home. You know who was missing to me yesterday was Jeff Simmons. I looked. I was looking for a big play. Autry played okay. He made a couple big tackles when he needed to. Yeah. Uh, Landry was all over the place. But again, they're they're really thin on defense. Uh, but the Rashad Weaver point, injury hurts because yes. it just makes it more thin because Bud Dupree is unavailable. But to court line again, the Titans defense played 33 less snaps than the Jets. They had to be semi-fresh, and even when you're thin, the Jets' offense is only on the field for 29 minutes. Yeah. Yeah, got to make plays when you're out there. Yeah. You got to stop them on third down. They didn't do that. Jets were six of fourteen on third down. Another another bad week on a money down where you had to have it. They didn't perform. They allowed big plays in big situations. Here's what uh, the biggest issue to me is, uh, and I put it right there up on the screen. We're looking at a third and three, and Luke was all over this yesterday, and Mike Vrabel told Luke a couple weeks ago that they don't coach to play behind the sticks on third down. I see four, excuse me, five Titans. And Kevin Byard is playing his position, right? But I see four Titans who are playing behind the sticks on third and three. Jenkins is nine yards away. Not only are they off and behind the sticks, they're several yards behind the sticks. It's so bad. And this was an easy conversion down to set up first and goal for the Jets. Now, eventually this drive ended in a field goal, which if the Titans played appropriately on this play, maybe would have just been a longer field goal. But this problem is all over the place. And they that's my biggest issue is I don't know why they are afraid to get up in somebody's face and play good press man. Not, not what Elijah Molden did against Christian Kirk. Not overly aggressive yes. but it but get up there and at least shadow not i'm not saying punch and lunge at the receiver to jam off the line but just be throw, in their face throw off timing bump them and that's what that's what a big strength of Jenkins i don't was. even think they need to they don't like i'm not even like calling for a physicality just get up there mm-hmm. right because you can get up there and shadow and be just a, apply a little bit of pressure to not give Zach Wilson or any of the quarterbacks an easy look of what you're going to be doing. I agree. You know, off-ball coverage has been a topic. And, and, For multiple years now. And that doesn't fall on the secondary. That, in that circumstance, falls on Shane Bowen and this scheme. Uh, so, so, obviously, Bowen's to blame here as well. Uh, you know, against Jets receivers, too. We aren't talking about the Cardinals in Week 4. We're talking about the Jets wide receivers. Corey Davis, who the Titans have practiced against, uh, for the entirety of his career. Yep. Uh, then you have Keelan Cole and Jamison Crowder. Keelan Cole they've seen for years when he was in Jacksonville, so they know exactly what to expect. These guys are not world beaters. You should be able to get up in them. And, and you know, for whatever reason, Shane Bowen didn't see that, and Shane Bowen felt like, uh, you know, off-ball coverage was the way to go. Obviously came back to bite him. 
they, they were not only able to hit these chunk plays down the field like we've talked about, yep. but, but it was the short intermediate routes that they were also hitting on uh, w- with cornerbacks, you know, coming up to make the tackle after being three yards away from the catch. Yep. And Dustin says that's a coaching issue. I'm sure we will talk about uh, coaching quite a bit. Uh, and Brent says that uh, Jenkins actually graded out worse than Jonathan Joseph. Look, I've seen Janoris Jackrabbit Jenkins get called multiple new nicknames. Uh, <laughs> one is Jackass Jenkins. Yeah, Another is uh, Janoris Joseph. <laughs> I saw uh, that's a really rough uh, nickname there for uh, uh, Jackrabbit. Uh, you know, if you want to be called Jackrabbit, you got to play well. You know, like, that you're just applying pressure on yourself by forcing everybody to call you Jackrabbit. And when you're asked about it and you say, my name's not Janoris, it's Jackrabbit, and you can call me Jackrabbit or Rabbit, then you got to play good. You can't just, like, Golden Tate had to be good at something because of his parents' name that he gave him. Now, that was the name that his parents gave him. But Golden Tate had to be good because of his name. Jackrabbit is changing his name from Janoris to Jackrabbit, he has to be good. And he has not been good through four games. And I want to address this comment, MB Gentry, how are you blaming the coaches for this? Isn't this a player confidence thing? Why aren't the players confident? Because maybe Shane Bowen puts them in situations where they, they aren't able to succeed. They aren't able to use their strengths. Janoris Jenkins heading into this season, he's been known for being able to, to play physical on the line of scrimmage, bump and run defense. Playing off the ball is not something that goes well with Janoris Jenkins' skill set. So maybe the player confidence issue is because they're getting put in unfamiliar situations um, by a coaching staff who obviously doesn't know, know how to use Janoris Jenkins' strengths to their advantage. And so, so some of that definitely falls on Shane Bowen. But also, you, you know, Janoris Jenkins is the one out there playing. Yep. He, Shane Bowen doesn't have a helmet on. He doesn't have pads on. He, can't, he can only call the plays. Janoris Jenkins in that secondary has to be able to execute. And uh, yesterday... They just weren't able to do that. Yeah. Uh, another comment from Bobby says, also, what's uh, with the decision to move Fulton inside? He's an outside corner. Molden would have matched up perfectly with Crowder in the slot. Look, Elijah Molden, if you were talking about confidence, I, I think his his has been shot a little bit uh, because of the plays he gave up in week one and week two. Yep. Chris Jackson uh, got injured in the game and was unavailable. So at that time, the best decision the Titans could have made was to move Christian Fulton inside and bring on Brian Borders to play on the outside. You're not taking as big of a hit by bringing Brian Borders and Fulton moving inside. Now, it sucks because ideally you want Fulton, who's your best corner, to play outside, and you would like to have Chris Jackson and Elijah Molden, but Elijah Molden just isn't ready yet. Yeah, and Breon Borders is good in small doses, but you do not want to thrust him into a main role. We saw that last year at times when the Titans were beat up in the secondary and Borders had to come and eat. He Borders, played well in two snaps last week. Last week, and Breon Borders had a really good preseason camp, and I like Breon Borders a lot, but yesterday didn't work out very well because Zach Wilson had a lot of confidence uh, moving into that. All right, Jack, let's go ahead and get to our bad sales job segment. We do this every Monday, bad sales job here at the end of the show, but real quick, let me tell you guys about Renters Warehouse and RentersWarehouse.com. They are the professional landlords in the Nashville area. Renters Warehouse is where to go to find out how much your home can rent for. There's so many different ways you can use them to your benefit, uh, creating extra cash flows for you and your family, using rent estate to create long-term equity, which means long-term wealth, which means that retirement plan is already getting started with your rent estate business at RentersWarehouse.com. BetMGM, guys, download the BetMGM app today right after the show ends. 
Download that app. Use promo code A to Z Sports. Again, A T O Z Sports. And on your first deposit, you'll get a risk-free bet up to $1,000, meaning however, however many dollars you decide to put in that account, if you choose to bet that with your first bet, this is the only first bet offer, you, you, whatever you win on or whatever you place as your first bet, you win it, you get that money, put it in your, into your account. So if you put $100 and you bet it on your first bet, you'll win $100 if you hit that bet. If you lose that bet, no big deal. You'll get it back in free play. So BetMGM has your back. Make sure to download that app, the BetMGM app today and use promo code A to Z sports with your first deposit. All right, time for bad sales job where Jack and I each give us give each other a, a situation, a bad sale to make. I'm going to win this week because I have an impossible sales job for you. Okay, come out of the gate swinging. That, yeah. That's fine. Uh, real quick, Louis says, it's National Taco Day. Sell me a taco. <laughs> <laughs> Funny comment. I didn't realize it's National Taco Day, but maybe uh, National Taco Day will make Titans fans feel better because tacos make everybody happier. That's right. All right, since you're so confident, uh, let's, let's hear it. Let's hear your bad sales job to me. Sell me on why Taylor Lewan's best football is ahead of him. Let me know when you're ready. Or do you have a stopwatch? I've got a clock. Okay. You've got a clock ready. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you started on my gun. I got you. Taylor Lewan's best football is ahead of him for two simple reasons. In the NFL, offensive linemen can play well into their 30s. Lewan is just 30 years old. He's got time left in the tank. Number two is usually the second year after the ACL recovery is the better year. Jack Conklin went to the same thing. The first year after the ACL was not good. The second year, very good. Got a big contract with the Browns. Lewan can do the same thing. It won't be in Tennessee, though. Wow. Uh, I feel like you believed what you said, which is... Oh, I absolutely believe it. Okay, really? Every, all 30 seconds of it. Really? Yeah. Ninth year would be his second year coming off his ACL. And you you don't think that he's... Okay. His best football will not come in Tennessee. Well, I mean, is it his best football? He made three Pro Bowls. In well, that was a sales job. Yeah, I know. But again, like, I, <laughs> I, but I do, I do think he is, still has five years left. Uh, in this league. He's athletic enough to get it done. Yeah, I think he's got five years left. Okay, good job. It won't be in Tennessee, though. Thank you. you yeah, Paulie well. says, good job. Okay, Jack. Uh, my bad sales job uh, to you is why um, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not prepared, to be honest. I've had a lot on my plate the last That's okay. couple of weeks. That's okay. uh, a lot on my plate. Sell me this pin. The, the, what pin? Oh, you're making a comment from the movie. Yes. All right. So sell me on <laughs> on why uh, you will not be better if you don't fix your text message. Uh, this is, a, this is more of a punishment. This is a this is a punishment. Okay. Jack, I'll set the table. Jack is one of the worst millennials. No. Jack no. does not know how to get his iMessages on his MacBook. And I've I done have, everything. And I have to email him things that I could just simply text him. He doesn't like it. I know he doesn't. So, Jack, tell me why fixing your iMessage on your computer will doesn't matter and it won't make you better uh, and more efficient. Are you going to pull this and just text it to me whenever whenever you need something? Uh, yeah. To, okay. Yes. All right. I'm sorry to let you go. I need iMessages to come through on my computer because it's easy access. My phone's down. My phone's dead. Time out. You're selling the wrong thing. <laughs> I said, you, tell me why it won't make you better. Oh, why it won't make yes. you better. Yes. Okay. <laughs> why, why currently 
the this the current okay. situation is better than it if it actually worked. Okay. It won't make me better because it's a new system. Okay. I don't do well with change. All right. I need things my way. Uh, the traditional way of texting. I don't like typing my text messages. It's a weird feeling to me. And you know what? Maybe my first week when I'm when I'm just getting used to it, maybe I text the wrong guy the wrong thing. Maybe I text you something I meant to text my girlfriend, and then that really messes up the work <laughs> relationship. And, and then we have to go from there. And then you'll look you'll never look at me the same again after you read what I have to say. So I don't want to take that risk and send you something that I meant to send my girlfriend because I'm not used to texting on my computer. Well, you nailed it in exactly 30 seconds. So that was good execution on that. All right, who won, uh, Austin or Jack? All you got to do, who won, Austin or Jack? Was it my sales job on why LaJuan's best football is ahead of him or Jack's on uh, why he doesn't need to fix his uh, iMessaging on I his I like computer? Bobby's comment. Austin's just trying to get material for end-of-year performance reviews. I like that. Yeah. We, we have, yeah. He was definitely up to something, Bobby. I'm with you. Um, Evan says Gentry for the win. Uh, Cam says me. So we're one and one right now uh, as we await for more uh, comments to come in. <laughs> Jonathan says, can Jack manage the Titans clock? <laughs> Which was good. I mean, I think, I, I don't know what my, did I do good on the clock situation? Yeah. Okay. So, so. Yeah. So we both did. Yeah. You, uh, you finished like early. You finished almost 10 seconds. Early. I usually finish early. Yeah. I, I bet you do. Uh, I usually, when I don't need all 30 seconds, I don't need to use all 30 seconds. All right, so uh, two to one me, three to one me, three to two uh, with Louis votes, four to two me, five to six to six three. Uh, wait, Louis, you can't say both. You can't vote multiple times for either person. No, I like Louis though. He's playing both oh, sides, man. so he always comes out. So uh, eight three nine three. Uh, 9-4. Adam makes it 9-5 for me with that vote. Um, it seems like you got it. I think I got it. You got it. Yeah, I think I got it. Well, so, congrats. Thank you. I, I think I did. Hunter says we all lost. I mean, if you're, <laughs> in, in the Titans situation, yeah. No Titans fan is winning this morning. Everybody yeah, is upset. But, all right, guys. Hope you enjoyed the show. Hope we, Hopefully, it was a little bit of therapy for everybody. After an ugly, 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 bad overtime loss to the Jets, any parting thoughts? We got to flush it and move on. Okay, Jalen Hurts. The, the Titans, I mean, that's what they got to do. They got to get this out of their system, and they got to they, they gotta get healthy. Um, Tighten Up Podcast, dropping Wednesday. Going to plug that before I go. Yep. Uh, we're going to have a fun guest on this week um, who has a connection with the Jaguars, so it's perfect time to get him on. Uh, but it, you got to move on from this. You can't let one loss turn into two. You don't want you don't want the Jets to beat you twice, especially when you should you, you should have won both. Looking on the schedule, the Jets and the Jags, that's two wins. You've already blown one. You can't blow another, especially with the Jags team who's very distracted this week, who doesn't look like they're you, you know. We don't know the Jags are distracted. We Urban Meyer is clearly Urban, distracted. We know Urban Meyer is distracted. Urban Meyer is going to be in, in in marriage therapy classes all week. Ah, uh, that man, that that was a uh, bad video. Um, it was weird. I woke up Sunday and I was like, why is Urban Meyer? Doing Oh, that's why. All right, guys. Hope you have a great rest of your Monday. Buck Rising live at 10 on the zone. Also, A to Z Sports Primetime uh, later tonight at 8 p.m. Central Time as Buck travels back uh, from East Rutherford, New Jersey. Uh, don't forget the Mike Rabel's press conference later on, so we'll have a lot of reaction to that. A to Z Sports Nashville.com to read more. Follow us all over the socials, and we'll see you guys tomorrow morning. Appreciate it.